0: Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-O. This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, Trusted Natural Solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran-owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DoD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag op Natural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentorsthenumber the number four MIL, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentors slash disclaimer. For military podcast. All right, so let me do a little bit of introduction. Of course, you know me. And uh, on with this is going to be Paul Martinez, former third bat ranger, former sniper. And then the other guy sitting there is Matt Schollard. And Matt is former PJ. He's on Instagram as special operator. You've probably seen some of the posts that I've shared of him. These guys obviously have served a lot with you, David, within the special operations community and the 160th and the whole bit. So I thought it'd be really cool to have Matt and Paul join us on this show along with you. First off, let me say congratulations on your book. Thank you. It's like kicking ass out there.
1: Yeah, it's doing uh, a lot better than I anticipated, to be honest with you. Yeah, so so the Kindle version, I... Release november 29th just so i could try and build up some reviews before launching the physical paper and hardbacks
0: yeah
1: because as far as algorithms and stuff go they don't really count the kindle version so i figured if i build some of those reviews up and then when i launched the paperback and hardbacks then it would have more of a impact on uh, launch day
0: nice wow who taught you all those tricks
1: uh YouTube. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta love Google and YouTube. They're always your yeah. friend when you're looking for things. That's really great, man. I'm I'm glad to see that it's doing so well. It seems to be hitting in the number one that's that's really awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm uh like I said, I'm taken aback by uh how well it's being received.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we did that original podcast uh well when you were still waiting for the approval, and you kind of gave a little bit of a rundown of the background that you had in becoming a 160th, and I encourage anybody that's looking to try to learn more about you know David's journey is to go back and listen to Making a Night Stalker, which is the title of his book. We also titled that podcast episode of the same, and uh, to try to give it a little bit more traction and for people to be able to, to see um, how both kind of marry up. But it, he shares a lot of his story that's in there, and that I was just telling Paul and Matt, though, that... Recently here, back in, I think it was September October, the anniversary of Ashley White's death, I had no clue that you were the chopper from One Sixty that
1: came back in to do the exfil. Uh, yeah, so I was actually chock one. Chock two went back in to do the Xville, and I recount that night in uh, one of the last chapters in the book. So from my perspective, from the back of the aircraft, what I saw after we infilled, I mean, it was not 10 seconds we were off the ground that we see this huge explosion down there on the ground end up being uh Ashley White uh Christopher Domey and PFC Ben Horns who I uh memorialize in that chapter as well
0: of course you know Kat Kalen is one of the co-hosts on the podcast she's currently working on her master's degree in psychology and she was there at that time frame of course she wasn't on that actual mission But Ashley was sent out that evening and she was one of those that uh, learned of it. And she went through CST with her and was very good friends with her
1: as well. There's definitely uh, a hard part of the book for me to write just because it was one of those. I'm sure both Paul and Matthew, you guys experienced, you know, similar situations and missions where it's just like really devastating to not just you, but the entire team. And that was definitely one of those nights sole intention about writing about that chapter is to talk about these three heroes that put it all on the line and they knew they knew exactly what they were going into that night and uh, they still went in so that that's uh true courage and I just wanted to honor them by recounting some of the things uh, that they did that night.
0: You know when people think 160th you automatically think of the pilot and I want to get these guys perspective of having worked with 160th and knowing the crew chiefs that are on there in the Chinook what was your kind of view and perspective of these guys that were on that uh, that bird?
2: Um, they're definitely like our favorite counterpart in the military, that's for sure. You know, the guys that show up with the Chinooks, like when it's cold, sometimes they'll have like uh blankets or like big parkas. You know, you gotta leave them on the on the bird when you go X go on your mission. But you know, sometimes you'd have, you know, hot chow or something like that in the bird if you came off along X Fill. So I don't know. Big fan of the crew. Yeah. Big, big fan of the crews, man. They're they're always awesome.
3: I'll offer a a counter to that. I love you guys, but uh, coming off of our own organic helicopters, where, you know, as a PJ flying with like our Pave Hawks, we're always an ingrained member of the crew, and, you know, I can always be plugged into the ICS. Anytime I would jump on a 47 for an X fill or an insert, I'd always want to be plugged in and want to know what was going on. And like, cause I'm sitting there in the back, like, why are we still rotors turning? Why are we not wheels up? Why are we making these evasive maneuvers? So I just have my imagination going. <laughs> so I'm trying I'm in the back, like waving somebody down. Like, can I get a, can I get a plug in over here? <laughs> Normally you guys are really accommodating about it, but, uh, man, I would just sit there with my, my wheels turning of like, I really want to know what's going on. And, uh, but no, you guys are all absolute rock stars. Awesome. Yeah,
1: that's, that's good to hear, especially coming from you guys. And I I mentioned in the book, you know, the most rewarding thing is just getting a fist bump from the guys who were on the ground all night, just because, you know, we were guns blazing coming in or coming out, whatever the case was, but getting a few fist bumps from, you know, the ground guys was always more rewarding than, you know, any ribbon or reward. So that, that was always
3: awesome. I think it was just having an expectation, and you know, you sort of you get accustomed to you know when you take off off of an X there's certain maneuvers, and our tactics differ from you know the 47 tactics. So if you're not so much red in, you're it's like, well, wait a minute, why are we why are we doing this? And you know, maybe they'll they'll cautionary, they'll punch flares, and it's like, <laughs> why are why are we launching flares? And so it, it was good, man. You guys, the, the the pilots and the crew that you know every uh, 160th mission that I was tasked with were absolutely phenomenal.
1: Awesome. That's, that's, like I said, that's rewarding to hear not only back then, but now after being out for four years, you know, so it's, uh, it's always good to know that, you know, we were doing the right things. And you look at how all of these
0: different forces of different branches, as well as different, uh, MOS has come together to actually make it work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there were, there were a couple times, you know, we would, uh, have, two or three PJs on board with, you know, second, first or third Ranger Battalion. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch, you know, these top guys all work together to accomplish, you know, one, one set mission that we're all, you know, all of a sudden we become one team and it's not, I'm, I'm this guy and I'm part of this group. It's all, you know, we all amalgamated into one force. That's
3: just pure badassery. Isn't it interesting, though, how long that that concept sort of took to sort of gain momentum? You know, it started out in the early days. We had, you know, TF Brown, TF Blue, and all these little isolated pockets of everything. And then it's like, okay, we started to conglomerate into these task forces and then it's like we have the siege of soda you know the combined joint special operations task force and now we have australians and kiwis and the brits and like everybody is is sort of you know uh all symbiotic and we're all working towards to accomplish the same mission it's it, it's so cool to have you know witnessed sort of that that evolution throughout the years and to have you know been a part of it as all of us were
2: i'm always surprised when there's still pushback about it you know when people Cause what it boils down to is, is your pride is getting in the way of resources. And I, I still don't understand it after, you know, a couple of generations of trying this out against our, uh, you know, what we might be inclined to do. I don't know. I don't know why we're not embracing it more fully. It seems to be working.
0: When, when I look at it and I see the evolution of how this thing all came, cause you know, you think back of even the days of which, you know, it, it kind of started with Delta, you know, coming in and, um, having a bad incident happen because they didn't have, the understanding, the people that were supporting them in that very first mission didn't understand the importance of it. And so the birds weren't right. They weren't ready. Uh, the whole types of things into which it started evolving into now, you know, not just having a aviation unit to support special operations. But like you're saying, joint forces now using and everybody playing a role and a part of it and that evolution of that. But I think it's really cool that each branch does support one another in some role, but you're all very different.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that everybody has a function. You know, everybody has their place in the pie, especially within the soft community. Like we're all... You know, we have similar missions, but we we deliver like different skill sets that we can apply differently. Like I always loved being around 18 deltas the second that there was any type of clinical medicine or any type of veterinary medicine that needed to take place versus, you know, if we were working with ranger medics that we could do more trauma specific and more mass casualty support. And I mean, that's just my take on it as, you know, as, as a PJ and stuff. But it seems like everybody offers just a slightly different skill set, that they can sort of take that lateral step and contribute something a little bit more. And then ultimately, everybody accomplishes the same mission together. And it's not, you know, it doesn't turn into a uh, an ego-driven thing. And it's ultimately about just working together and being synergistic. That's my experience anyway.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree. And uh, I would also chime in that it doesn't just happen while we're deployed and come together as a unit. The reason why we're so good at coming together downrange is because we spent so many hours training with one another, you know, whether it's in this state or that state. Uh, so that way, when we go downrange, we're, we're balls to the wall and we, we know exactly what needs to be done because we've done so many repetitions stateside.
0: Well, there's a lot of trust that has to go through all this, right? I mean... It- you know, no matter what, if you're an elite unit, you want to make sure whoever's supporting you or whoever is along with you for the mission, you can trust those individuals that they're going to do what they have to do when you need them to do it, whatever their role may be.
2: I think um, if you're in unit going to combat, you probably want that to yeah, be the true. case. Yeah. You know, but I think that there's been a sort of trickle down effect. And what's interesting about it now is you could end up anywhere. It doesn't matter what organization you're in, you know, or what path you chose in the military. You know, you might be out with rangers or sf like the there is no sop per se anymore as far as like how they're gonna uh, constitute these units And i think that's an incredible advantage to us so well there was
0: there was a period of time you talk about the ego aspect of there was a period of time in which i think a lot of the branches were struggling with who's going to get one what segment of you know the dollars and uh, each branch is fighting to say that they need those those dollars more than the other branch.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to point out, too, it's not just like special ops that's doing this. You know, and David can attest, I'm sure Matt can, too. But, you know, we'd fly half 160th and half conventional sometimes because that's what, what they had, you know. Or there was some mission parameters that didn't fit sixtieths, So we'd use conventional air or we'd use, you know, conventional ground forces, whatever. So it's sort of the lines are getting blurred more and more every day. And I think personally, it's a good thing. It's sort of raising everybody up to a higher bar.
3: Yeah, that's definitely a good way to put it. And then it seems that, uh, you know, everybody's getting out. They're all growing the operator beards when they get out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think with the war, as long as it's been going on, you know, I think the the story of the transition and the struggle post-combat, you got to be very careful with it that we've talked about here with post-traumatic stress and that you don't want to, you know, think of it as guys going as what used to be referred to as postal or, you know, you can't trust these individuals to work in their work environment, that they're just going to snap at one moment, you know, and those types of things. And each of you guys have had your own struggles and difficulties with post-traumatic stress in some way, shape or form. And people deal with that differently.
1: At the end of the day, another veteran going through the same stuff that maybe I write about at the, in the last chapter and it's, it's kind of sad that I've gotten so much pushback from some guys in the community that say, you know, and I'm not, maybe you've experienced this, Paul, with your book, but about, oh, you're a quiet professional, uh, secrecy is a way of life. You you just, you just blew the plot. You're not a night stalker, you're a sellout, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. But when I get messages saying, thank you for writing this book, I'm glad I'm, I know I'm not the only one. It, it makes it all worth it
2: yeah I have gotten that, and you know that's just gonna happen. We, you and I talked about this, I think last year, yeah you know, the expectation from the community, and it's you know you're gonna roll the dice with a handful of your friends, some of them are gonna not like what you're doing, some of them are, you know, and it's always the quiet professional thing, but you know, I'm not a professional soldier anymore that those checks stopped coming quite a while ago, so <laughs> you know, what do you want to wait till Angelina Jolie directs the movie? how does that make you feel you know it's our resource somebody's got to foster it within our own community and i think that's what that's what i wanted uh to do with my book and i think that's that's what david wanted to do with his book as well you know there are stories so
0: well that's tom too tom sadly is the same way i i think that it's not about trying to display it as a broken community or the broken soldier or whatever the case may be you know coming back from a uh, a very traumatic situation and everything, but I think also, you know, you have to explain this story so that those who are out there suffering, going through the same of the some of the same things that are reaching into the bottle, uh, or drinking from the bottle, or whatever they they may be doing and struggling with, with that cold still in their hands, can understand that. Listen, you know, other people have gone through this, and you know, we we understand, and and unless you come out as one of those individuals stating that 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 was a situation for yourself then these people would think they're alone that they're isolated at least that's how I perceive it and I think that's one of the reasons why you know Tom and Jen Satterley founded an organization like All Secure Foundation And I know maybe it'd be good to Matt for you to talk a little bit about your organization doing some of the same work within the soft community and working with individuals with post-traumatic stress
3: yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm I'm sort of fed up about that whole, you know, we don't talk about this shit anymore, man. It's affected absolutely every single person that I know has gone to combat. You don't go to an experience like that and walk away, you know, unchanged. Maybe the change is for the better, maybe it's for the worse, but we're, you know, most of us grow up in a way where, you know, we're not exposed to death and dying and trauma and killing at the level of saturation that we are exposed to when we go to combat. And when we come back, it's like, at least, when, you know, when I came back in, you know, the, the earlier days, th- those resources didn't exist. There wasn't, uh, you know, the opportunity to to sit around and hash it out and talk about it. It was it was shunned, right? Like you're you're supposed to be this big badass operator. You know, you're not supposed to have these these feelings. And if you did voice them, um, man, people, you know, you could turn your back on you. And hey, how do I trust you on the on the next mission? It's like, so then you just become more and more isolated internally within your communities. And uh, and when I got out, man, I was like, you know what? No, that, that's 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 not okay. And I openly share my stories now. And you know, it's I just like you guys were saying. Every day, I get messages from people who are like, "Hey, thank you for telling that story. Like, I needed to relate. I needed to know that I wasn't alone." Um, and then exactly like like Robert mentioned with you know Jen and Tom starting the All Secure Foundation, just you know one modality and and targeting traumatic stress and families. Um, we've started the, uh, the beneath the surface foundation. It basically mirrors my own experiences with traumatic stress and sort of my healing modalities. When I got out, I, I, I was having a really rough time. I moved to Hawaii. I lived, uh, I lived right down the street from a buddy of mine who was, uh, who was killed and June 9th on Pedro 66, their helicopter was shot down. And I lived right down the road from uh, from his widow and I took his kids in the ocean every day and took my own kids and I just spent time like in nature and uh, I, I started to practice yoga and like get really, really into it. Um, and then I started to, to kind of like soften a lot of those internal edges. And, you know, this isn't, you know, Robert and I have joked around before talking about, uh, you know, some of the... the the uh, stigma associated with like yoga and we definitely approach it from a much more like, you know, operator mentality. But, uh, the, what, what beneath the surface is, is a, we're, we're hoping to take, re- uh, and our quarterly retreats. So 15 men and women every quarter and take them for a 10 day yoga immersion, um, hopefully in some far away tropical land where we can incorporate ocean therapy. We have Dr. Russell Crawford, he, uh, he actually, is the only guy, uh, he's a former air force psychologist. He's currently up at JSOC. He's the, uh, he published the only quantitative study on ocean therapy for traumatic stress. So we're sort of working with him and putting together a real formal program that will incorporate ocean therapy and yoga. And then don't just take these men and women out and teach them a hobby, but like actually give them the tools to, to really shift and redirect their life. And, um, and that's part of, you know, my mission on Instagram and social media is to like share these stories and share share these, you know, modalities that can actually influence positive change and sort of like redirect the narrative of, of your own life and, you know, not just be a statistic and sort of be, um, you know, suffering in silence. So I I know
0: you've received a lot of great feedback as well from some of the posts that you've shared, both from civilians and military alike on these things. Have you also received like David's talking about some of the kickback from, you know, the soft community?
3: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it's to be expected, you know. Yeah. And 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 my thing is, it's like I just have to approach it from like this place of compassion. If you're giving me shit about sharing suffering, then you are hurting more than I am. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm going to stand by that, man. And it's like nobody should ever be criticized or or, or made to feel. That that what that then sharing their struggles and their stories is is the wrong thing to do. I wholeheartedly believe in it, and that's why there's guys. We need to write more books that we talk about these things. I had this idea yesterday of remember the movie Goodwill Hunting, where it's like it's like this beautiful partnership between a patient and a psychologist. We need to do like a a military version of Goodwill Hunting. (laughs) The reality of like guys struggling to find connection and maybe open people's eyes to like you know we're trying to seek help. We're trying to you know to end the stigma but you know um as long as there's guys like like us out here david and paul and and you know being on shows like roberts it's like as long as we can tell these stories people it's going to catch on and you know we have the the momentum is starting We we need to have a culture of healing there are no other warrior cultures in the world that don't prioritize healing as much as they do for their own training and somehow that's that's escaped us for this long so as long as we keep telling these stories and keep uh, and, and keep this insulated community together, we're gonna we're gonna grow stronger together. so
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. i I wholeheartedly agree with you know exactly what you just said. And for me, my therapy was writing. and I think it's a disservice to the community for guys getting out who who have the idea of writing a book or putting together a poem or short stories. Uh, it's a disservice to. Other guys struggling because at the end of the day, you don't know who you could be helping in writing your story. So uh, no matter the pushback, I think the end of the day, that the end result of helping someone else who is in your same position is is worth it night and day. Absolutely. I think nowadays it's more about getting out
0: there, telling the story, saying what's going on and stuff. But I think that the types of stories and healing and the things that you guys are talking about, it's not going to occur unless more of those quiet professionals actually come forward.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, uh, you know, agree with you 100% too. But at this, on the same side of that, there there are all certain things that, you know, will we'll keep with us to our grave. And I, I feel like the community doesn't realize that we still believe in that. You know, I'm not going to jeopardize guys who are still – putting bullets in bad guys or jeopardize
0: that type of quiet professional is totally different yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. but i think the misconception is that uh if you write a book you're telling every everything that the enemy needs to know so you're you're awful person and uh they pretty much base their opinions just on the cover and a, a short synopsis and they're like Oh, whatever's in this book is probably going to give the enemy everything they need to know and it's it's completely untrue and that's the whole reason both Paul and I had to go through the Pentagon review process which I don't think people understand how scrutinizing that is either. So,
3: yeah. I think there's a big difference though between opsec violation and then just maybe renouncing your stoicism a little bit. Like there's a, you can you can write a book and you know the the quiet professional of like, hey, these are my individual and personal struggles with these abstract scenarios, versus like the hey, here's our you know or here's our SOPs for in, enduring this type of thing. So, yeah, no, I. I <laughs> i i totally you- agree with
0: you and i think that people get that confused not to mention as you know david we live in a soundbite community uh soundbite world if other people have said it or if they believe it in perception then it becomes reality
3: absolutely quote timothy leary and you know think for yourself and people need to become more confident in their opinions and do more research and uh david to go back to, to your discussing of, of therapy for writing do you follow the havoc journal
1: I do. And they actually, uh, I've been going back and forth with them on social media, great group of people. And uh, they released an excerpt of my book on their website uh, a couple days ago. And uh, so they've been super supportive in my journey. And uh, I I can't thank the guys over there enough. So they're they're doing great things for the community, whether people realize it or not. I, I truly support
3: what they're doing yeah, absolutely. I love their their tagline of, you know, let them hate so as long as they read. yeah right. that's yeah. To, to me it's so it's so powerful and so profound. It's like, yeah, absolutely. you know at least you're reading. I'm getting. I'm telling my story, whether you agree or subscribe or not, doesn't matter because it's going to resonate with somebody. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, and they share a lot of stories just like you do a lot, uh, you know, Matt, in your Instagram post and describing some of the things that you've gone through and how you have came out of it through yoga or through, you know, your techniques and stuff like that. They go into a lot with through their authors that come on there about their own situations, how they've dealt with it. And in some cases, it's not a feel good story at the end. It's just purely about sharing the information to let you know what struggles they're going through at the moment or they went through at that period of time. But nonetheless, it's a story and somebody should take something away from it, whether and it's not to feel sorry for the individual necessarily. It's more to understand and and knowledge is what's really uh, needed out there is like you said, people getting to know more uh, rather than just trying to have somebody else explain to them and get the clip notes as we used to use back in the day
3: <laughs> before the internet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. And one of the most profound things that I have experienced with uh, with sharing a lot of these stories, one, the the most profound being, you know, similar situations of, of people in the military who can relate. But uh, secondary to that, it's, a, it's bringing this awareness to the public, you know, to civilians who, in their mind, can't even fathom some of the experiences that guys like David and Paul and yourself and, and me have experienced. And it's like, you know, to them, they only see what's delivered to them, you know, through their TV or through through articles and stuff. So it's like to them, they lose that human element. And the more that we can describe the the human element and, you know, sort of give them this this visceral sensation of here is what we have experienced and here is what we are sharing with you. It just it, it brings more awareness. And with more awareness, I think as it spreads, hopefully we can make more collective decisions. It can maybe influence the way people vote, the way they shop. Hopefully, I'm just uh, saying that, you know, in sharing these stories and then the, the public receiving it, that it becomes a catalyst for positive change.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and there's uh, there's a lot of historical documents that are out there from whether it's from the American Revolution, the Civil War, or whatever the case may be, of uh, people's personal journeys and blogs that they wrote back in those days that get surfaced from these letters that – um, people read in history about the struggles that they went through in these combat situations, and it 's much of the same thing today, whether it 's through podcasts like this, writing a book, whatever the uh, you know the the media might be an outlet of how this comes about these stories help tell the personal challenge that that individual went through. What people, like you said, are experienced on a very personal level. Uh, and you're not going to get that unless those people are open and willing to speak about it. Uh, myself, I had a uh, an uncle uh, who was in World War II that was actually captured by the Germans. And if it wasn't for a small boy who helped him escape, hoping that he could help him escape from the Germans himself and from the war... Uh, then he wouldn't be alive and um, he's since passed now uh, but in his latter years he struggled a lot with post-traumatic stress and it caught up with him and it was some of the things that back in those days the family didn't understand they didn't know what it was and it's actually through the journeys and struggles of people today and speaking openly about it I think a lot of people are having those aha moments of their fathers from, you know, Vietnam or from Korea or something and going, wow, maybe that is why, you know, my father or my uncle or my grandfather was the way he was, Uh, is because it's very similar to the type of experiences or how he dealt with, you know, not speaking that much or depression or anger or whatever the case may be. These emotions that would come up, you know, at trigger moments and people didn't understand what that was and now we have a term called post traumatic stress
3: right which is still battle fatigue which is yeah. shell shock which is you know all the things that have been explained throughout eons of combat it's always and that's where in our our predecessors before modern conflict were much better about healing the warrior and you know up until our our recent conflicts you know we we did a really dis- strong disservice to uh, to our veterans returning home so i think that's a uh, an uh, a sore on our our history that i think needs to be rectified now our vietnam generation was just absolutely handed the, the shaft and um, you know i'm thankful that we live in an era where we're we're putting some effort and we're gaining some traction and improving in some way but we can do better man we can do way better yeah,
1: I would agree. I mean, um, you know, during the ACAP process, when you're getting out of the Army, I don't know what it's called uh, for you, Matthew, but it's pretty much, you know, two months toward the tail end of your uh, contract, and you pretty much go into these classes, learn about how to write a resume, how to interview, and how to get your next job, and how the job you did in the MOS, or your MOS transitions into which civilian job, but Never once did they mention, hey, here are the, some of the things you might face. You know, there's no more brotherhood. Uh, you're going to recount some of these times you had in war. So be prepa- here, here are some resources to prepare you for this thing called PTS. And they, they don't do that. They, they don't even touch the topic. You know, guys getting out, it's like, you know, just like right. Matthew said, we have to do a better job of educating these soldiers before they are
3: officially uh, out of the service. But your USA jobs resume is going to be like spot on. Not really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I mean, let's be real. What comes out of those transition assistance programs typically looks like something that a, a high school counselor would give you in terms of how to write a resume. They want to keep it one page. Which nobody looks at one page resumes out here anymore uh they want to truly see the experience that you have, and so they they have you write it where your awards are up top and stuff like that, which makes no sense, you know because <laughs> half the people don't even know what those awards are, so they're not even going to have that conversation they want to see what value you're gonna bring so valid points all across the board here, and that we don't do a very good job of helping um our warriors transition out of the military, including those things that they may find very challenging and I think it's the reason primarily the reason why is is that the people who are helping you with that transition aren't qualified for any of what we just described right here let alone many of them have never faced combat they may have been spouses or individuals that served in the military themselves that may have never seen a combat situation now everybody assumes that every that people who are deployed automatically see combat well that's not true And so, you know, the people who actually saw the combat and everything else, there needs to be some way of identifying those individuals. And certainly the soft community should have a different channel or at least another block or something of a transition assistance program that they can go to that's an additive step. I don't know what that is. And like you said, I love the idea of maybe it's referring you to... You know, Beneath the Surface Foundation or All Secure Foundation or, you know, whatever foundation and organization and give them a long laundry list, you know, of here, here's five, 10 different organizations that are out here supporting post-traumatic stress. They can go out and even vet them, you know, and see how they're making a change in people's lives uh, and then include that as part of that packet, part of that exercise.
3: I think that's such a great idea. I just posted something the other day somebody shared with me about the VA at the end of their fiscal year there was yeah, 5 million, million. Yeah. 5 million that that went unspent that was could have been devoted towards uh, combating veteran suicide. And what a great idea, Robert! Like, you, as you get out, maybe ocean therapy doesn't resonate with, with you. Maybe equine therapy doesn't resonate with you. Maybe you're such a badass and so hardened that you don't think you need something. But a little part of your brain's like, hey, I'll go check it out. We should offer such a thing. And we outsource in the military. We outsource for absolutely everything. Look at all the the gear vendors that we have, and everything is done externally. Why don't we outsource this transition and? aid in this, this transition from active, you know, military participant to civilian and take that time to heal. And I think that there are so many organizations and foundations out there that would resonate with everybody. Uh, somebody, there's, there's something out there for everybody. And uh, it's. I think we just need to speak up about it and, you know, let our voices be heard. This is what we want. And this is, you know, hopefully where we can direct this ship.
0: We've talked about it so many times about the importance of decompressing after military, let alone after a combat situation. But what you're describing there, what we're talking about is the opportunity for an individual to work with foundations to not only help with their healing, but to help with their decompression after military, after uh, combat and, and have that time before they enter into the private sector and the, the civilian marketplace to show the value that they're going to bring to the organization is they need to go back to finding who they are, you know, that individual and get back to that core of that person and what their beliefs, their values and all those things are so they can really understand what their purpose and passion is, you know, going forward.
3: Yeah, sadly though there's you know a lot of contracting companies out there that wave those hey, we'll give you the same job but we're going to pay you a whole lot of money and it's like these these men and women haven't taken that time for themselves. Robert, I think on our last show we talked about how in the military it's all service before self and yeah. and we're not we're not taught to be selfish. We're not taught to take that that self-care time. And if you know we could prioritize that that selfish self-healing and self-care then you know hopefully, you know, we could offer more fulfilling and productive lives for these men and women when they leave the service. Because, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way, David, and I'm sure Paul's the same, has so many friends who just left active duty, went to the private sector, start contracting, and now they're in the same predicament that they were in before. They're still, you know, dealing with the same issues that they failed to address when they left active duty.
1: Yeah, I have buddies who get sucked into the whole DynaCore black hole, and it's like they they've been doing the same thing they did in the army. Now they're overseas, away from their families again, doing the same thing, and they're kind of stuck in it because, like you said, they didn't give themselves time to really look inside and figure out what they needed for themselves. You know, and yeah. and and it's it and it it's it's the truth. You know, these big contracting companies can wave these big bonuses in front of you, and it's like, okay, boom, that's easy, easy to do. I'll take that. Yeah. And you
0: can certainly see where it'd be attractive. It's something that you're already familiar with. You don't have to do any additional training or learning. They're going to start your pay right off the bat and they're going to pay you maybe even quite comfortably to go do what you used to do within the military for a lot less. And so it all those reasons. And for many people who are making the transition and I know of one that just recently got out and I tried to you know, counsel him the same way is that don't chase the almighty dollar. Make sure that you're doing something now that you want to do for yourself. That's very important to what you want out of life and what you want to gain because it's, you can always go do contracting. That's going to be there. That's going to be an option. At least it's on the table, but you first should go experience these other things. But then it goes back to what we were just talking about a moment ago. I don't think they're mentally prepared to go and do that in a lot of cases. Um, or in, at least in some cases, and individuals, like you said, Matt, may not even recognize that they're not prepared to make that transition and that they should use that time to decompress or to find foundations that can help them and discover um, new ways to find themselves. And, you know, I mean, if I was a soft member and I were looking at ways in which I could um, – you know, deal with some of the things I may not think are that important or challenging to my relationship with my family, my spouse, and my friends and all that, but they're telling me there's just not something right. That should be a signal enough to pick up the phone or to look on a website and say, hey, uh, what do you guys do? Oh, okay, yeah. you, you do these types of programs. What the hell? Why not? Let me, let me go see if this is going to help me out in the future, that constant thing that you're trying to break the cycle of built on it but i think it is an excellent idea to provide that referral
1: yeah or even you know have representatives of organizations like matthew to to come out to these transition you know steps and processes that these different military branches have in place and to speak to you know a room full of soldiers or sailors marines and say this is what i do this is what i experienced and this has helped me find healing might not be right for you but Here's some other things you can look into because I can guarantee you, I've been in your shoes and you're going to hit a brick wall when you get out, just like, you know, Robert and Matthew, Paul, we've all experienced it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if someone's going to pick up your book and it's going to read it, they're going to hear about your journey. But then at the very end, you know, the chapters that we're talking about here are part of your journey. They're they're part yeah. of your life, you know, and in some cases, I mean, they, I think they carry just as much weight as the other chapters, it's all on equal footing, you know, because it's, it's a part of you of what happened in the aftermath. There's not always going to be um, this feel-good story that's always going to be out there, like we were talking about with some of the Havoc Journal uh, you know, stories and stuff that are shared. It's not always a happy ending, per se, as to what you think it may be of how it's portrayed in the movies. Still, you found peace. You found solace. You found another way to um to let out that anger or to let out that that depression and and to you know gather control back of yourself it's still there but it's just a matter of now taking control of the situation and through you as a therapeutic way of doing the writing for somebody else writing may be therapeutic and writing a blog we talk about journaling but it may not go to the degree of what you just described that happened to you david you know and that's why you're gonna have to seek other outlets
1: yeah, it's going to be different for everybody. No matter you know if you're Navy, Marines, Army, Coast Guard, whatever, it's going to be it's going to be different for each individual. And um, if if you're listening and you're transitioning, whatever that thing is, you know, do everything in your power to find that thing sooner rather than later. Yeah, good message. And wh-
3: what I appreciate about this podcast, particularly Robert, is you have a lot of uh, young men and women who are just beginning their military careers who listen, who come on to you know seek guidance and advice and when all of us you know old guys are on here talking about our own struggles, they're at least going in to this experience, knowing that this could exist or it may exist or it may happen to them. So when I joined the military, that was the last thing that people were talking about you know it was it was for the glory and you know right. for the babes, and it's like and yeah. if, if I had known Not going in, dead. but yeah. Yeah, it's like going in, it's like, well, I, I can see that such a thing, or I know that such a thing may happen. So it's like, it's always in the back of my mind that I'm, maybe I stay one step ahead of it. So it's for anybody who's listening, who is, you know, about to embark on this journey, definitely, you know, service before self is your ethos, but also don't neglect yourself in the process and don't neglect your brothers and sisters, especially if they ever come to you for help and be an advocate for, For each other and insulate one another don't isolate
0: yeah and we all have some kind of thing that we regret you know and so some people their uh post-traumatic stress may not be um at the same level or or maybe different than other people but it could be some level of regret survivor's guilt uh or you know regret of uh if they'd have done something different would the outcome have been different and play that out inside their head all the time and so it forms itself in a different way And uh, I think guys reach out to you often, Matt, and they may ask the question about, okay, if I'm thinking about being a PJ, what are the things I should focus on? You know, is yoga really going to help me? And you start talking about, well, breathing is a very important aspect of just anything, you know, and and understanding breath and, and the importance of that. And they pay attention to those things. But they think that, okay, what you're describing when it comes to post-traumatic stress or or dealing with, you know, survivor's guilt or, you know, remorse, or that, that's not going to happen. I'll deal with those things when the time comes. Uh, and I think what we're trying to say here is you need to pay as much attention to those things now so that you know that there are avenues that may even be better by the time frame that that you know catches up with you, or later in the future, and everything, but at least there are things that are out there today that you should learn more about because there may be techniques like yoga, like breath and breathing and stuff that might not just be for PJs. It's about decompressing, dealing with the situation, you know, um, relieving the stress and the pressures and the stuff that you're feeling at the moment. No, you're not the same individual as you came back from combat, you know, and your family is struggling with trying to put that together that you're not the same Matt that they remember before you left and why and, and, um, but you have to process that you have to deal with those types of things and you got to do it in your own way. And um, understanding that those things could very well happen and knowing that there is help that's out there and how to go about doing it, I think is equally as important as what's going to happen to me in basic training. What's the pipeline that I'm going to go through in my military training to become a 160th crew chief? What am I, you know, hey, pay attention to everything. It's all equally important, you know, through this whole thing.
3: Absolutely, and one of my favorite things to do is to like extrapolate these lessons and apply them in a way that may resonate with somebody like uh, you know you talk about you talk about fear and maybe combat fear, but how can I relate that to something cool? like the fear that I experienced the first time I jumped out of an airplane you know at, at you know fifteen thousand feet it was not dissimilar to the same fear that I felt on my first combat mission it was you know the the physiological response is the same, but in one it's it's I can sort of control it with you know my breathing methods and with the other i assume that i have to panic so it's like if i can tie these these stories and these experiences together and, and say you know what trauma is trauma fear is fear healing is healing how can i say something or how can i write something to somebody that will resonate with them in maybe a moment of triumph and also in their darkest hour and so and that's and that's where i you know i i it keeps me awake at night you know i'm trying to i'm trying to reach people in a way that it's, you know, it empowers them to take accountability for their own, for their own healing and for their own, you know, uh, emotional and physical and spiritual journeys. So absolutely.
0: I think the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, if I were to ask any one of us, but I could ask you guys, if you could go back in time and talk to your 21, 22 year old self and try to relay this type of information back then, or even 18 as joining the military or stuff, would you really pay attention? No, probably not. You know,
3: probably not. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and that's the struggle, because you really at this time frame want to be able to to get people prepared. I mean, instead of it being a post military thing, if we could reach in at the very beginning and provide them the tools and, the, and the, the early stages and it's a constant learning throughout their military career so they can deal with it upon the exit. Uh, like transition and the struggle, and don't think of it as going to be your easiest mission. It's going to be probably one of your hardest missions uh, is making that transition. So, you know, don't wait to the 11th hour. Don't wait till you go to the Transition Assistance Program or ACAP or whatever until that time comes. You need to start thinking about it very early on because it's going to arrive. We all make the transition one day, we all go out of the military one day. And some of us may have the struggle that goes with seeing combat and losing friends and those types of things as well, or just the trauma, uh, the daily trauma that we need to also understand we're going to have to deal with at some point,
3: you know? Yeah, be be proactive versus reactive.
0: Yes, and that's the hardest challenge, I think, of all of this. Makes yeah, sense. and if
1: the, if, if the military can force us to do three and four EO and sharp computer classes a year from when we get in to when we get out, you know, there's no, why, why can't they do a PTS course, you know, three, four times a year? That's Seriously? A, oh, wow.
0: That's a, that's a, actually a great recommendation. You know, if they started doing something like that about even learning techniques of, even if you didn't deal with it as post-traumatic stress necessarily, but you said, Hey, listen, you know, um, through combat situations, people deal with it in different ways. And so, you know, how can we deal with, Depression, anger, guilt, you know, uh, breathing, you know, controlling your your breath and calmness and and those types of things will help you in a combat situation as much as it will in post-combat. So a great example and a great point of why aren't those things, if they're not talked about because it's taboo as post-traumatic stress, why can't it at least be tackled with a different set of lens and in a different angle? Surely it could.
3: Absolutely. Good. I think something, though, that would be paramount to that would be to have, you know, a reputable guide and a teacher. I I can imagine just sitting, you know, uh, on the teams and some some, you know, lady comes in or man comes in and they start spouting off these techniques, but they have no credibility. I how do, how do you, how can you relate to my experience? I'm sorry, you, you weren't there, you know? Yeah. So I think I think what a lot of us need to do as we transition is find that modality. You know, David could go give writing classes and talk to people about the importance of journaling and how this information that we hold in our body is gonna come out, it's gonna find a way out. And we can just offer our own journeys of how to get it out. Hey, here's what worked for me, I used to write. And when I would write, I would be transported back. But each time that I wrote, something softened inside of me and I was able to tell the story without maybe the emotional or the physical physiological response and you know same with breathing techniques or same with yoga it's like hey i've been there but when and through doing these you know movements or this practice it started to soften because no matter who you are all that information and all those emotional and physiological responses are stored in the body it's going to come out it's going to come out in you know nightmares it's going to come out in anxiety why don't we go in and stir it up a little bit and address it in a productive way and teach people to do that before the transition what a great idea
0: yeah and, I mean, you think about when you go to a physical therapist, for anybody who's had any aches and pains from the military, when you go to a physical therapist, one of the first things they do is they have to recreate the pain in order to identify how to cure it. And, uh, you know, it's that's what you're talking about. You're talking about you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to dig to its uh, deepest point and root it out so that you can help that individual find and channel the right way to get the therapy. It's a great, it's a great thing to... Hopefully somebody within the military listens to this podcast and picks this up because I think these are great ideas of how to actually be proactive as it relates to um, the challenges that we're definitely facing and to run from it and think that we're not or to put that aside and think that that's not as important or something that the military wants to highlight, which we all know that a lot of times – it's best to suppress those types of things because if they're publicized, maybe recruiting will not be as romantic, you know, and it won't be uh, as sexy and as enjoy, uh, enjoyable, enjoyable uh, for people to even want to think about enlisting. Um, so let's not let's not talk about and bring those things up. Or worst case, we may act to actually start, um, you know, providing more money or more um, support of ways to help fix and correct these types of things god forbid you know we have to actually spend some of that five million dollars that was supposed to go for this
3: you know where did that go what a what a joke
0: so, I mean, these are, these are great examples of uh, how we could do this. Without jumping too far off, I know we spent uh, quite a bit of time here on the, on the show uh, talking about everything from your book, David, through you know your transition and everything else. I do want to offer a way in which they want to find out more about your book and your story. Obviously, you can go back and listen to our early podcast on Making a Night Stalker, but they can also find the book Making a Night Stalker on Amazon.
1: And are there other locations as well? Um, also on BarnesandNoble.com, uh, and then there's a local uh, Colorado bookstore known as Tattered Cover Bookstore. They're going to start carrying the book in all four stores uh, beginning of uh, January, and then uh, making a NightStalker.com. Also have uh, our our previous podcast interview on the website there, and uh, some other. Uh, good good information about you know some of the stuff we just talked about um and then uh instagram is making a night stalker and uh that's a,
0: that's about it. Yeah, no, that's great. And that way that people want to find out more information, they can certainly go to those avenues. I think it's a, it's great in both an audio and in written format. So that's cool. So for people who are making a long commute and listen to a podcast, you can listen to making a night stalker uh, via audio as well and uh, pick that up, which would be awesome. And then of course, you know, Matt, I do want to at least give you an opportunity to share about some of the stuff that we talked about on the show around uh, beneath the surface as well.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. So beneath the surface uh, right now, we literally just became incorporated two days ago. Uh, so it's it's incredible it's a, a massive undertaking it's a huge journey of love uh, to find some information about it, go to my Instagram, which is a uh, special operator and then just click the uh, beneath the surface foundation we're gonna we're generating a website trying to put all that content out there so it'll be up and available soon but the best way to follow along with that story uh, is just through Instagram at the moment. Um, we're hoping to push our proof of concept deployment hopefully by uh, by early next year so a lot of a lot of lot to look forward to on that realm, for sure. Well, and you
0: practice what you preach and some of the things that we were talking about in terms of your post and stuff that you share, people can go and find that information as well as, um, you know, there's videos out there. If people who are thinking, you know, yoga is kind of gimmicky, well, go go check it out. See how it's actually helped a lot of people. Uh, and as I've started my own journey in, in looking at yoga and helping as a practice um, for some of the, you know, pains and aches and everything, I've started realizing that there are a lot more veterans who are dealing with post-traumatic stress through this avenue. And so it's really cool. And uh, you guys are beginning to put out different types of videos that they can follow on a 24-hour feed on your storyline on Instagram. Uh, so everything from the beginner to a more advanced level, and then there's future things that are going to be coming out as well that I'm aware of. And I don't know if you want to share here, but I think that that's all really cool where people can, uh, not only just follow you on the journey and learn more about you guys, but you also get a chance to, um, to see some of the things you've experienced and ways in which you're dealing with some of those things, whether it's through your, your writing and journaling or through the beneath the service foundation.
3: Yeah, a lot of you know my own as I, as I recounted on the previous show. A lot of my experiences with yoga were uh, less than ideal, so I'm trying to sort of. Uh Front some of the, the the negative aspects and give people a more refined product that would resonate more with like a combat veteran or a soft type or you know somebody who wants something a little more intense and wants to know the why as to why they're practicing and like wants some some hard fact of how this will benefit them before they you know undertake such a such a practice. So I love to share it. Yeah, exactly. We've been doing uh, these Instagram live classes. It's just sixty minutes or beginner friendly. Get on there. Hang out, listen to me talk for an hour, and then uh, move your body, get a little sweat, get a breathe on. And then we're about to be releasing a fully uh, Introduction to Yoga Beginner Series. Hopefully by the time this thing comes to air, it will be available, and that link will be on Special Operator. Yeah, sure.
0: we'll make sure that we include it on this podcast uh, you know, in the show notes and everything as well appreciate you coming on David man it's always good talking with you and Matt thanks for joining uh you know this episode and everything and i wish you nothing but the best in the future we're going
1: to keep tracking and seeing how well things progress for you thank you guys both for having me on the show matt you know breath of fresh air here and you know your kind of standpoint and everything you're doing with the foundation so i wish you the best with that and uh, always love listening to your podcast robert so i'm just happy to be a part of it